Hey folks, Jeremiah here, trappingtoday.com, and welcome to episode 3 of the Trapping Today podcast. I'm happy to be here, thanks for tuning in once again. Uh, Third episode, still getting our feet under us, but what I wanted to do today is uh, pick up where we left off uh, last episode, because I said I was going to cover something about beaver trapping, and I never got to it. Um, so that's what we're going to do. Um, we may or may not get into a few other topics, uh, but we've got a whole bunch of stuff lined up for uh, episode four if we don't get to it here. And the beautiful thing about this is that in trapping, there's just so much information. There's so many things you can look into. It's just incredible. That's been the greatest thing about trapping today when I started the website about 10 years ago, you know, initially I thought, well, what if I run out of things to write about? And and it didn't take very long to realize that you'll never run out of things to write about in the trapping world. Um, trapping is just such a such a broad subject, and uh, there's there's just so many different angles, different things. I mean, well, you look at I mentioned Clint Locklear quite a bit. He's he's got that trapping radio. He's almost on 300 episodes, and there's still all kinds of new things to talk about. Probably does get tired of answering the same questions over and over again. Um, there's no doubt there's a lot of that, but there's so many different angles. There are so much different gear, species, biology, habitat, traps, all kinds of different things. Uh, so it, it's really cool. Um, always, always going to be stuff to talk about. The only thing there will be a shortage of, for me at, at least, is time. So, I'll do my best uh, to get that in. But the topic I want to talk about is is beaver trapping. And I guess the way that I want to approach this is talking about damage control trapping versus fur trapping. And there is a distinction, and it's very important as a trapper for you to understand that distinction. Um, so I'm going to preface this by talking about a little bit of beaver trapping that I did this fall. Uh, and, and of course, some beaver trapping I'm going to look at doing here in the next couple months. Like I said, our land trapping season has ended here, but uh, we've, we can beaver trap all the way to the end of April. So uh, it's, a, it's a really, really big season. Now the reason for that is because beaver have become extremely abundant in northern Maine, uh, and combined that that abundance with low fur prices. Um, I mean they're abundant because they've always had good habitat here, but now in addition to having the available habitat, uh, there's no trapping pressure. You know there's just there's no money in beavers. There's a few guys. There's there are some really good beaver trappers. Probably, you know, some some of the best beaver trappers around are are in northern Maine. There are guys that put up you know put up good numbers between two and four hundred beavers in a season. Um, I know that's you know <laughs> you're not talking guys like Kirk DeKalb. You know he down in Georgia. That's a whole different animal. He's 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 killing maybe upwards of eight hundred beavers. A season, but um, anyway, t- to me, anyone that catches over 100 beavers is a good beaver man, and uh, that's a species where yeah, the difficulty about main trapping is we, the trapping, uh, trapping has become so 
heavily regulated in Maine that is very difficult for someone to excel as a longliner trapper. And that's the case in a lot of states in the U.S. Now I'm getting off on another tangent, and I probably won't even get back to beaver trapping. Yes, uh, I will. But So, you know, you look at states, guys that have a dream of being a longliner trapper, you know, you got to go to Montana. That Nowadays, when you look at the value of fur and the availability and how you can operate, I mean... You know, if you have a 24-hour check law, you have to have, like in Maine, you have to have a trap. 24-hour check law, the season is two months long, and a month of that is there's going to be a foot of snow on the ground or more, and the grounds would be frozen. When you can trap, you have to check every 24 hours, which limits you to a certain number of sets. Then you have to have a foothold trap at this time, with a jaw spread of five and three eighths inch inches or less, you have to have three swivels. Um, the trap has to be staked. You cannot use any drags. You cannot have any objects in the catch circle, so that limits where you can set the trap. If you have, you can have a tree or uh, a big rock that they can get tangled up in the catch circle. So, in on and on. You know, you there are just uh, so many regulations, uh, and and there, you know. They're intended to uh, protect endangered species, Canada lynx, up here. So, you know, they're they they're there for a reason, uh, whether we agree with it or not. However, uh, the reality of the thing is, we're also trapping for twenty-five dollar coyotes as opposed to seventy-five dollar coyotes in Montana. And uh, with all those restrictions and the low fur value, you can't be you can't be a real longliner trapper. Um, but anyway, what I was getting at is uh, the opportunities for land trapping in Maine and even like, you know, you want to be a longliner martin trapper. Um, I talked to a guy before we had martin limits. He he broke 100 martin and he knew of a guy who, who had about 150 in a season in northern Maine, which uh, today, if, if you're familiar with our martin trapping, we our limit is 25 martin. And we have a limit of 10 fisher. So, you know, the whole dream of a longliner trapper, uh, there, Martin, you have a five-day check, so you have a little more flexibility on, on body grip traps. But you're still talking about 25 Martin. Um, so the the longline dream is, is kind of a difficult one to achieve here, but the closest that you can get uh, is beaver trapping. Because when you're under ice beaver trapping in Maine, there's no check law. Uh, there's no no uh, yeah. There's no there's no check time required. Uh, if you're setting drowning sets in unorganized territory, which is a whole different thing in Maine, but basically uh, an, a town that's not or a township that doesn't have a local government, basically the woods. Uh, you you have a five day check, and then drowning sets in town. I believe it's a three day check. So um, for the, for the most part, you you can beaver trap. You can set out a lot of sets. It's a lot of work. But back when beavers were worth fifty dollars a piece, and these guys, you know, fifty dollars went a lot further than it does today. Uh, th- there were a, there were a lot of guys. I, I know there's some old timers that are still around today. Uh, they used to go up in a plane, uh, hire a pilot to to drive, fly them all over northern Maine, and and they'd just mark all the beaver lodges on on maps 
uh, and they'd go back in the wintertime just and trap all winter, and that's how they made their living. They made more li- more money in in two three months, uh, three month four months of beaver trapping than they did all the entire uh, the entire rest of the year. So so there are a lot of good beaver trappers in Maine, but we're in a time right now where beavers are going to be worth twelve dollars a piece. Um, I know that's just, it's, it's depressing. We're, you know, caster, caster is going to be $50 a pound. So, um, you know, in some ways that might make up for it. Um, another topic for a future, um, future podcast episode is, is getting all the value out of a beaver. Uh, but anyway, the, uh, the beaver pelt price is so low. Uh, there are a few guys that go out in April and they absolutely crush beavers for like two or three weeks, just caster mound sets in the spring right when the ice goes out um they do really 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 well a couple hundred beavers in two weeks easy um but but aside from that basically what i'm trying to say is with the prices the way they are even though we have so many good beaver trappers no one's trapping and so um for the you can see that as a as a a negative or, you know, I kind of like to try and see the positive in things. And for me, as a young, relatively young trapper that uh, hasn't killed hundreds of beaver, I saw it as an opportunity to go out and uh, establish myself as a trapper and gain some permission and, and find some places to trap and scout and learn and, and so on. So... Uh, that that brings up another little topic of debate, which I won't get into in detail, um, but I will just say it to kind of remind myself uh, to talk about it in the future and also to, to just put it in the back of your minds, is when we talk low fur prices on trapping today, uh, like we have recently, and I get a lot of comments on, on the blog posts and the fur market updates, and uh, there are two... Uh, competing schools of thought. Uh, you see this on Trapperman. You see this in all the the trapping communities uh, wherever you go. Two schools of thought. Uh, one is when during low fur prices. One is the prices are so low you can't make a living doing it. You, you're losing money. You need to stop trapping because all you're doing is flooding the market with low value fur. And and. The guys who have this opinion are very feel very strongly about it, and are very upset that other people are continuing to trap. And the other school of thought is, well, you know, I'm I enjoy trapping so much I can't not trap, and you know I would if I was hunting with dogs or bow hunting or fishing. It would cost me money, and this is at least paying for a little bit of the gas bill. So, uh, you know, whatever I get for selling fur is a bonus. And so those two schools of thought are really clash with each other at times like this. Um, and and I guess I I don't know where I fall on that, except that that I, you know, I I feel like I'll trap every year no matter what. Um, if prices are really low, maybe maybe I'll dial it back a little bit on a species, but but maybe I won't. I mean, so where I was this fall is I 
I moved back to this area a few years ago, and I haven't really trapped much for beaver. You know, a few, just a few around the house. It, I don't know. I've probably trapped uh, 15, 20 beaver just r- nearby to the house, and I I don't really have any particular line set up. I know I live in an area that you could just about throw a rock and hit a trapper. Um, there there are this is like the trapping capital of the state and that's because we're only a town of about a thousand people but we're right on the edge of the north main woods and uh, we get we we just have we have a lot of people that come up from from uh, downstate and from other parts of the of the northeast uh, to trap up here so anyway uh, there are a lot of trappers around and there's there's quite a bit of competition so I never really established much of a line. I've I've been establishing kind of a Martin and Fisher line. Uh, I haven't I haven't done that as far as water trapping. I've have a few places that I I've set up for the last four years. Um, I'll continue to do those, but I really want to expand on that. So anyway, uh, I had a friend give me a call this fall, and uh, a guy just outside of town had a problem with beavers. Uh, there's a dam flooded up flooded in his backyard was flooding his septic system um it was a big problem guy didn't really want to spend money on an animal damage control job um i'm not an adc guy i don't really have much interest in in being one at least not at this point um but he said hey do you want to trap him and if not i'll call someone else and see and i said you know what i i got a million things going on i i was running running getting ready for Martin Fisher trapping I was I was muskrat trapping full-time job I was teaching a class at a local university about an hour away and uh, just doing a bunch of different things uh, working on the farm and I said you know I just gotta do it. I gotta set some beaver traps so I went over I talked uh, I, I talked to the guys kind of scouted things out and the the mindset that I went into that was Okay, I'm not going to charge the guy. I can't charge him. I don't have an ADC license. Um, I'm not going to get much for the fur. I'm going to maybe get 10, 12 bucks for the fur. I'm going to get a few bucks for the caster or use it to make my own lure. I'm going to use the meat to make my own bait. Uh, maybe sell the skull. I, I mean, there's a few things you can do with beaver, but basically, I'm I'm not going to get much. What I'm gonna get is number one. I'm gonna get experience, and that is is going to go a long ways in the future when potentially beaver are worth money again. And number two, I'm going to establish a relationship with this landowner that you know he has a hundred acres of land and he's going if I do a good thing for him you know potentially in the future when I ask permission and I want to trap something else that's worth money maybe you know he's going to look at me and consider me before he does somebody else and number three I'm going to develop start to develop my reputation as a trapper um, for other places other permissions and, and so on so so I decided to do it and I went in and and so this is where we get to 
the animal damage control trapping versus fur trapping. Uh, and you're gonna you're gonna see how this kind of unfolded. Um, you always, as a trapper, and just in life in general, you always have to think about your objectives and the implications of the decisions that you make. Always need to be thinking ahead. I'm gonna give you just a second to think about that. Think about your objectives when you set out to do something and the implications of each decision and action that you take. Okay, so in this case, I am I am a fur trapper, but I am working for a guy whose problem is animal damage. And so there I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard guys that have animal damage problems, beavers flooding the road, beavers flooding the septic system, beaver beaver is is just farm field crops every they they beavers knocking trees down left and right um i had a situation like this in montana and i killed i killed a whole bunch of beaver that were were just completely destroying a, a stream bottom on on a friend's ranch but this this is an animal damage control issue as far as the landowner is concerned i am a fur trapper I've heard many times of other fur trappers going in to do a, a job, trap beavers, where the landowner thought that they were there to take care of my beaver problem, and the trapper thought, well, I'm there to catch a little bit of fur. That doesn't work. And, and what happens is uh, the trapper, either he's going to be fur trapping and just take the cream of the crop and take take two beavers and two or three beavers move on to the next lodge where it's easy to catch new beavers um, and or he may think subconsciously or consciously oh well I don't want to kill them all then I won't be able to go back here next year well the landowner is expecting those beavers to be gone and regardless of whether you're an animal damage control trapper or not the fact is these particular beavers are a problem now, if you went in the middle of nowhere with no roads and you had to go in quite a ways and the beavers were not causing a problem, yeah, you you know what we've always been taught as as youngsters and through trapper education, you you take two beavers from each lodge um, long term, uh, two maybe three or four even depending on on this situation. Uh, long term, that is going to be good for the beavers. It's going to be good for the habitat. Uh, you're going to have a, a better chance of having a sustainable beaver colony in that area. If you kill them all, uh, they may not recolonize from other places. That's an interesting subject because in Maine they're so abundant right now, they probably would. Uh, but in most cases, they wouldn't recolonize immediately. Um, and if you don't kill any, they are going to typically they'll continue in an area until they've exhausted the food resource all around the water where they've got their dam and they're just going to move on and abandon the dam and it'll blow out and be done with. So 
In that case, sustainable long-term harvest of a few animals in each colony is a good thing. But in a, in a, a situation where think about the landowner's needs and, and what's going on there, and you as a trapper need to recognize that you can trap fur and satisfy the landowner's needs. It's just going to take a little bit of extra work, and it may not be exactly what you wanted to do. So, in this case, this guy was having a problem. It was right on a state road. It was right in his backyard. Um, it was like a, the beaver dam was several hundred feet long. It was a huge, huge dam. The house was huge. And my goal going in there, I said, I'm, I had absolutely no question in my mind, I'm going to kill every single beaver in this lodge. Um, because that's going to solve the problem for the landowner. That's going to uh, to alleviate that. Uh, it's it's I'm gonna have some fur and I'm going to learn how to be a better trapper because I'm gonna have to use a variety of sets. I'm not gonna just you know set a conner bear to run and check it twice and and pull out. So so that's what I did and and uh, what I the way I I approached it was I'm gonna start out and try to get some of the bigger adult beaver that are traveling typically going to travel further away from the dam and so I had uh, there was an area uh, where there was a culvert that crossed the road here uh, above upstream from the house and there the beavers you could tell they've been going back and forth in culvert so I set it I set a 330 there um, the first two days I caught a beaver there uh, and then I went all the way to the other end and I set uh, on the dam and and I just set you know there was a little bit of water spilling over the dam and I set kind of the dam patrol set where in Maine in this zone we have to set uh, it's it's really confusing but we we have to set five feet away the trap has to be five feet away from a dam in this particular wildlife management district um, in order to legally trap beavers so which is not a big deal I just put sticks uh, perpendicular to the dam out going out five feet I stuck the 330 just under the water and I put a dive stick there put a couple sticks blocking uh, further out so as the beaver uh, does their typical patrol of the dam which they do every day in open water um, he go through he'd be swimming along the dam all of a sudden see these kind of these sticks kind of a little fence in his way oh there's an opening there's a uh, log I gotta go under he dives under he gets caught in the trap I caught uh, three beavers and I believe three beavers in four nights in that set um, that particular set um, something like that I can't I can't remember exactly and uh, and then I caught another one or two at the culvert set and then I got one more at the culvert set and then finally I said alright I I think started to slow down a little bit then it's time to go into the house and and find I tried tried to find some runs coming out from the house um, and these these are all 330 bear sets um, the house it was really hard it was it was super deep water i had chest waders and i'm i'm like six foot three and it was going water was almost going over top of my chest waders and wading around there uh kicking around trying to figure out where the runs are and there were 
I think there were like four entrances to this house, but I couldn't tell. There were four possible entrances. So anyway, I found one, the one that felt the best, and I didn't have time to set more than one at the time. Uh, the one that felt like it had probably been used the most, I went in and I set uh, a 330 there, um, and uh, went away, came back uh, two days later, and I caught a beaver in that set, and I caught one more at that culvert set, and and in total I'd had uh, I killed seven beavers out of that out of that house, and uh, finally the the landowner, the a little miscommunication, the landowner actually pulled the dam uh, halfway through the <laughs> the trapping he he shouldn't have, but he misun we misunderstood each other there for about a day or two, and. Uh, and anyway, he had pulled the dam, and and they there were a few beavers left at the time, and they rebuilt it. Um, but finally, I when I caught that last one, I was pretty confident we had them, and uh, I went I think two days, three days with nothing, and uh, and I told him it was time, and he pulled the dam, and uh, it's been two months, three months, what is it, January? It's been two months, and uh, and no beavers back. So, so in that case, you know. I recognize that I'm not going to be able to go back, probably not going to be able to go back there next year and trap beavers in that particular flowage. But that particular flowage was a problem. And there were actually trees, 30-year-old trees flooded there. That hadn't, and there were old farm fences from a long time ago. Um, that had never been, been beaver country um, for a very, very, very long time. And it just wasn't the place for them. Uh, it was too close to the guy's house, too close to the road. Um, so, And they're not going to be there. But you know what? Um, two weeks, I think about two, three weeks went by. And, and I'm at work. And this guy shows up at my work. And I have no idea who he is. And and uh, he was asking the secretary at the office, you know, is Jeremiah here? And... and uh, and he run me down, and and he says, "I got some beavers. Uh, I get I get a bunch of beavers on my land that that I I want to have trapped." He said, "They've been flooding my land for the last two years now." And, and uh, he said, "I talked to so and so, and he told me if you want to find someone that's going to get rid of beavers, you talk to this guy." And uh, and so you know he was <laughs> it had only been a couple weeks and. And and he was already convinced, and here I am. You know, I'm not, I'm not anywhere near what those expert, uh, you know, beaver trappers in northern Maine are. Are, um, you know, those are some really skilled, experienced trappers. Um, but I was able to go out there and accomplish that, and and start to develop my reputation as as someone who has some competency to go and kill beavers when it needs to be done. And because I didn't take two, because I accomplished the task and the objective that he had um, he passed my information on to another guy and uh, and at the time I my first shed had burned to the ground and I didn't have any traps and and didn't have much to uh, to work with at the time um, but I told him I'd be back in touch and and I'll probably I'll probably go over there this winter and, and set out some traps and and by the way the landowner's nephew had uh, had a a beaver flowage or they were having trouble and as when I caught the last beaver out of that flowage I forgot about that but uh, he showed up and said hey I got 110 acres down the road and and the beaver's been flooding it and you can come and trap and there's you know there's a big beaver flowage and he took me down there and 
it looked like good muskrat ground and and he says yeah and he says we see fisher tracks as a fisher had been coming through here and and uh he crossed the road and he killed the neighbor lost their cat and we think the fisher got it and and so you know all of a sudden there's another 100 acres there and then there's 100 some acres 170 acres down the road where this guy's having problems so you know yeah the market's low um and and that's it's not a great time to be a trapper but at the same time maybe it is a good time if you if you're trying to develop a reputation if you're trying to establish a trap line you know what if uh in the next you know three four years from now we're we're back to where we were in 2013 2014 and we're getting 45 dollars for those beavers and 50 dollars for a fisher you know i mean i mean those those are all things to think about so um anyway that was just that i pretty much eaten up all the time for this episode uh but i thought that was kind of an interesting topic to go over um first off uh, just understanding animal the difference between damage control and fur trapping um finding opportunities in a low market and uh, and developing a reputation as a trapper and building your your experience level up. Um, th- there's always there's always opportunities even in a low market. Um, then then the other thing to think about with guys, uh, you know, do we trap or do we not trap during these low markets? And there's a lot of controversy around that, and I can understand both sides of that argument. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, I'll be I'll be trapping a little bit. Not on a professional level, but uh, enough to uh, enough to keep my feet wet. And uh, and anyway, moving on. In a future episode, I will be going over uh, under ice beaver trapping, and uh, particularly um because I lost a lot of traps in the first shed fire. They're uh, a good opportunity to have some low cost, make some low cost sets as beaver snaring under ice, and that's something that's. Uh, uh, a very pretty popular practice historically here in Maine and uh, there there is a particular method uh, of under ice beaver snaring that works very well so I'm going to talk to you guys about that and, and I'll put up a YouTube video on the Trapping Today uh, YouTube channel um, on, on making under ice beaver snares um, and, and we'll, we'll go into a little deeper but anyway hope you enjoy this episode um, sorry we didn't get to cover Uh, a number of other topics but we'll pick them back up on the next episode until then keep trapping and we'll catch you next time thanks